Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thanks for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 25, live from the Fly Fishing Show in Somerset, New Jersey, the last weekend of January 2014. It's the biggest fly fishing show on the East Coast. It's got the most celebrities, tires, speakers, vendors, you name it, and nonprofits. If you did not get a chance to go to the show or you plan on Going to one in the future, this coming weekend, we're going to have the one in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and then in a couple weeks, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I will be tying it both, so please come out and find me. So this is the Fly Fishing Show from Somerset, New Jersey, and let's kick back, relax, and see who I can get to come on and enjoy the podcast with us. All right, we're going to start the podcast off. We are with PK at the uh, Stealthcraft Boats, and we also have Brad. So um, let's catch up with with your ink. So you got some new ink this year? Yep, uh, tattooed by Eric Hornig. Uh, flew in on Wednesday and got a steelhead and some Legos and our C-3PO. So, yeah, it's my son's arm, so he gets he gets to pick it. So, yeah, it's a good time. What new do we have in the sticker and T-shirt? We have... Uh, Swimmers, the best swimmer. Yeah, we got the best swimmer onesies. We've got the 0.0 running socks. I fish stickers and shirts. Uh, you know, some perverse fishing stickers and swag. Where can we find all of those on social media? Uh, fishingporn.com uh, on our website. Uh, fishingporn on Instagram. Fishingporn.com on Facebook. And you happen to have a certain brand and make and model of a boat that I will be having delivered soon. What, what do you like about your boat? Uh, it's a 16-foot Stealthcraft ATB. It's an all-terrain boat. Uh, it's tons of room. Uh, I had a 16-foot Superfly and traded that for the ATB. You're a guide, so, I mean, you're, it's a 360-degree walk around for clients, and uh, it's just a, it's a real versatile boat. 
skinny water, fat water, fast, slow, whatever. I saw the stealth craft boat here three years ago and was just like, that's what I need. The only thing my old boat had in common is they float. Let's talk with uh, Brad here about some of the boats. Don't worry. You don't have to put the lipstick down. No one's going to see you on camera here. So you want to know more about the boats? Yeah, let's talk about the boats. All right, the boats, are, I mean, they're top-notch. 21st century. I mean, all around, they drift two inches of water, flow higher. The way, they're the, the way to go. What are they made from? You've got these little cross-sections here? Yeah, they're made from a uh, plastic shell with uh, fiberglass on both sides, inner and outer. Uh, they're just like 90% air float. I mean, it's the way to go. Coast Guard recommended. Coast Guard approved, I guess. How many makes and models do you guys offer? Uh, we offer uh, nine, er, yeah, 19 different models. And all made up in Michigan? Yes. All right. How's the show going for you so far? It's an experience, to say the least. It's an experience. They sell the Jersey salad, which we think is more of a dirty move over at the, uh, the bar. The Jersey salad. So you can hashtag Jersey salad for this weekend. It'll pop up. Really? What the hell's a Jersey salad? I don't know, but... But Dan Morgan is a big fan of the Jersey salad. It, it might be a toss. That's, that's, yeah, toss a Jersey salad. That could be the next shirt. Like, so I went to Somerset and I got a Jersey salad. <laughs> I tossed a Jersey salad. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's continue down the rows and we'll check back with these guys in a bit. Now we're over with Micah of Knee Deep Fly Fishing. We spoke with him last at Thai Fest. How's the show going for you? Testing, testing. It's going well. Uh, it's good crowd on Friday here. I don't know if, uh, if everybody's scared of the upcoming snow that might happen and they're coming today, but hopefully we'll have another good crowd tomorrow. Yeah, good bunch, good bunch. And you seem to lure people in with candy. How does that work? I call that chumming. Yeah, I put candy on my table, draws them in. It's a hungry bunch. It looks like we're tying some match-the-hatch patterns here for trout in the maryland area i'm going to say gunpowder that is correct a good guess a good guess maybe based on your past history uh yeah i'm tying all flies that i uh, i use when i'm guiding take some starbursts yeah they're good for you and uh that's right that's right this guy, he was just called the best guy by a guy who just got some chum yeah that guy looks pretty salty too he must know what he's talking about yeah i think he can drink a little too yeah yeah. So yeah, it's a good show and having fun. Yeah. All right. What are you working on next? What's your next? Looks like some caddis, maybe. Yeah, tying my little fast caddis, a little bead head with a, a spooled antron that we twist up for the body. It makes a little rope. It does look nice and segmented. Yes, it's very sexy. I'll take a picture of that, and you can see that on the blog. All right. Where can we find you online? You can find me at kneedeepffflyfishing.com. All right. Thanks. So, as always, we're going to have Mike Heck here with FallingSprings.com. How's this show going for you? The uh, show's going pretty good. Uh, for a Friday crowd, it's uh, quite a busy day. I think everyone's getting a case of cabin fever. Looks like you're tying more claw dads than last year. I've been tying a fair amount of claw dads. Uh, been working on nymphs today, getting ready, getting bulked up for the shows to come. I haven't, honestly, I haven't bought. Any suggestions and advice for someone who'll be tying at their first show in a couple weeks? Do you have like a Gatorade bottle you go to the bathroom in? And what do you do for eating and, and other things? Definitely have your snacks because uh, you never know. Like today, I about passed out from sugar because I didn't have any chance to go get something to eat. So I have Gatorade, I have snacks, 
and uh, beer later on tonight. When you need time material, if you don't have enough, you just go around and shop for stuff? Go around shop for stuff, or as one guy did years ago, look around the floor and tie what people had left over. Yeah, there are some nice materials people are dropping. Yeah. I got I got a whole bird right beside me. It's Mike Schmidt time beside me. He's got the apron on to protect his clothing there. Just in his lap. Look at that in his lap. He's got like a whole tying bin in his lap. Yeah, it's, he, he's unreal. He's a fun guy to hang around with. Well, enjoy the show, and where can we find you again online? Uh, you can find Mike Hex Track Guides at www.fallensprings.com. All right. Thank you. Thanks, brother. So uh, I'm walking through the show here, and the first thing that catches my eye is a bottle of Dry Fly. I thought it was vodka, but it's gin. So we have Altmar, Tailwater Lodge in Altmar, New York. So who, who are you guys? We are Tailwater Lodge. We are um, a new lodge in Altmar, New York on the Salmon River. We've done an adaptive reuse project where we've taken the Altmar Elementary School and turned it into a high-end fly fishing resort in Altmar. And this is your first year? You guys are already renting rooms? Uh, we're actually open on Wednesday. We're not open. How's the snow going this far? There's a lot up there, right? There's always a lot of snow up there. So, yeah, I think um, our last storm we got about three feet. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's some snow. So we're talking... Uh, Atlantic, Skimanias, Steelies, Kings, Cohos. Kings, Cohos, some Browns. Um, we got some smallmouth in the summer, some musky down towards the estuary. So, yeah, yeah, we got, we got things to chase. And then there's some rods back there. Are those rods you guys are making? Yeah, we're, so we work also with J.P. Ross. So he's a, a private rod manufacturer out of Utica, New York, that's building some specific rods for the lodge and also some putting some of his stuff into our pro shop that we're building with the lodge. Where are the kids going to school now? So now that they closed that school, they actually two, closed two schools, and uh, they combined into uh, into a larger district. So they can still come, you know, and have dinner in our restaurant, which used to be their gymnasium. But, uh, yeah, no school there for them anymore. Do you guys get spring break? Always. It's always spring break at Tailwater Lodge. Dodgeball action, too. So what kind of rods are you, I'm guessing, just big sticks for... Some you know those salmon up there don't mess around. So uh, you want to talk about some of the models you guys have built for you? Sure. We just actually came out with a rod called it's, uh, called Blue Steel. It's a nine foot nine weight uh, fiberglass. It's uh, made from epic blanks. We've got a galvan reel on it. It's made for chucking some meat, swinging flies, and it'll handle you know big steelhead, handle those cohos, handle those salmon. So it's uh, it's 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 a really cool rod. It's unlike a lot of things that you see in the industry right now where it's a pretty fast-action fiberglass. And you got the backdrop behind you. I'm looking at some pretty nice amenities. That steak with the green beans is, is making me pretty hungry. So full-service high-end lodge? Full-service high-end lodge. Actually, we're a hospitality company. We own hotels throughout the northeast New York region. So we've taken our hospitality aspects and, and brought them to Altmar, New York. Where can we find you guys online? Any social media sites? You can find us at tailwaterlodge.com. You can follow us at uh, facebook.com slash tailwaterlodge. Um, Twitter handle is tailwaterlodge, so you can you can see us out there. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you. All right, we are here with Key West Fly and Spin Fishing Charters, and we have Captain Steve with us. You want to tell us about who you are, what you do, and how you're enjoying the cold? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little bit colder up here than it is in the Keys, but uh, I'm here at the show uh, trying to promote my business. Uh, we do fly-in spin fishing charters, and we fish for a tarpon permit, bonefish, sharks, and barracudas, and redfish as well. Um, depending on what time of year you want to come down, you can target certain species. Uh, tarpon, permit, bonefish are obviously the, lar- the, the larger of the three that everybody wants to fish for. 
Um, and it's the pinnacle of fly fishing. That's what people, when they salt saltwater fish, they're the three main fish in the Keys that people fish for. And uh, we provide a service to get you out there and get you in front of these fish and see what you're made of as far as fly fishing and your casting abilities. And uh, out there, have a good time. Looks like you got a flats boat back there. What are you pulling these days? Yeah, I'm pulling a, a 17-foot uh, Maverick skiff. And it's equipped with uh, casting platforms on the front and trolling motors uh, to chase down fish if we need to. Fantastic. So it's all seasons there? There's always something to fish for? Absolutely. In the Keys, in, in Florida in general, but in the Keys specifically, uh, each month has its um, you know better fish to fish for. Um, you know, Obviously, tarpon, March through July, and in the summer months, uh, permit and bonefish are prevalent in the late fall. Are you guys looking forward to... Cuba hopefully opening up one day? Well, we'll see. You know, I don't know how much that'll do for our business, how much it'll take away, but, you know, time will tell. Just get a, a mothership boat and drive it down there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the Keys. That's where I fish, and that's, that's where I'm going to stay. And that's After a good day of fishing, where are you headed to uh, grab some chow? What's that? Where, um, where you go to eat afterwards? Uh, specifically uh, in the Lower Keys, the Square Grouper is a great place to go. Square Grouper, great restaurant, one of the best in the Keys. Uh, other than that, Cafe Soleil is another one down, downtown in Key West. Those are the two I recommend. If you don't know what Square Grouper is, probably go to UrbanDictionary.com. Look that up and then you know, the whole history on that. Oh, yeah, someone was dumping Square Grouper when I must have been six, and all the construction workers are going and pulling them out of the water. So, yeah, my grandparents lived in Palm Beach. Oh, okay, very nice. Did we already ask your website and everything? Yeah, the, uh, the website's uh, keywestflyandspinfishing.com. And uh, look me up and look up some information if you're looking into going to fish the Keys. Fantastic. Thanks, Captain Steve. Okay, thank you. All right, so we have Aaron Jasper. Uh, you might know his name from reading American Angler, Fly um, Tire, and his DVD line. He's fly tying today. Let's talk about um, how you have time for everything that you do. Uh, sometimes I don't even know how. Uh, I get to bed by 10. I'm up at about 4 in the morning, get to the gym. Then I get to work at about 8, teach the kids. Then I come home and get all the writing and everything else done. It's a long day. Pretty, pretty much have one article. I'd say every, pretty much every publication that comes out. So do you come up with the ideas or is it the editors that... That sort of say, hey, can you maybe write about this topic? Uh, I would say like 95% of them are my ideas. Some of them are the authors, I mean, the uh, editors asking, you know, for like uh, a topic on something specific. Like, for example, an American Angler, they want to run some how to articles. So I did an article on eight tying techniques, you know, eight tying techniques that might help you make better flies. But most of the um, ideas I have for articles are from where I travel all the time to go fishing. Because I am a teacher, I do have spare time. And just things that I learn that I want to pass on to other people to make them better. Are you doing that traveling on your like spring break and summer vacation? I do the travel whenever I have off from school. <laughs> when I was a teacher, I loved having substitutes. Because you could just call one in and I'd go up at the Salmon River for a week. It was fantastic. Yeah, I do that too. Um, our, our next DVD is going to be Salmon River, and I can tell you I hired some substitutes for that one. <laughs> so let's talk about, you've got um, European Nymphine, which is, so that's what, about two-year-old DVD now? And then, what's, I can't read it for the other one from here. Um, there's European Nymphine Techniques and Fly Tying. Um, we've sold uh, almost 9,000 of those. There's a Strategic Approach. We've done around 6,000. 
And then there's the indicator mastering the dead drift. We're at about seven. So we're uh, doing really well with the DVDs. And I think one of the reasons why the DVDs work so well is from, you know, being an educator, I know that when people watch it, they learn it better than if they saw it in a series of pictures because they get to see the moments in between the photos that were taken. Well, you said those indicators. Are those those curly Q orange ones? Uh, for the European nymphing, um, it's both. There's a curly Q, which everyone's heard of, but also I'll use straight uh, fluorescent material. And then for the indicator, like straight indicator, I usually use yarn. I just don't like the thing about the bobbers. When you strip them in, they make a sound. I think that spooks the fish. Good point. All right, let's talk about your tying here. Um, obviously, you're a fan of the right bobbin, and you've got the Dynaking rotary vise. What are some of the other uh, tools you utilize in tying? Anvil scissors, definitely the best. You can, re- you can sharpen them over and over again. Very dependable. An American company made in USA. Uh, for the flies that I use for European nipping, I'm generally using lead wire and um, tungsten beads. Uh, thin skin for the wing case. I'm making uh, drone stones. You can't see it, but it's golden stone fly color and I'm weaving flies with embroidery floss which is uh, an exception for fly fishing because usually there's fly fishing tax on everything which means it costs four times the amount. You could buy the embroidery floss for uh, weaving 34 cents gets you enough to tie like 300 flies. So you know pretty simple setup today. So these flies they've got to get and I also notice you've got the what, what Orvis this year is calling tactical hooks uh, well, um, it's Umqua. They, uh, these are Umqua competition hooks. They're uh, all barbless hooks. They're all, you know, they're, they're all made in the Czech Republic. They're Hannock. Um, Riley Cotter, the uh, sales manager, has done a great job of attaining high-quality hooks. Usually from the Czech Republic, the quality control isn't so good as, as it would be from a hook from Japan. So they actually at the factory in Umqua, I mean in uh, Colorado, in Louisville, they actually go through all the hooks to make sure that you get good ones. So they're checking every single hook. The quality control is phenomenal. And I guess Orvis is making a tactical hook series, which would be the same thing. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. So I get the Orvis catalog. I'm not privy to the Umco catalog. <laughs> now, right, well, I'm going to let you get back to time. I could probably keep you here for a while. Uh, maybe we'll check back with you later in the weekend. Thanks so much. Yep, cheers. Any websites or social media where people can follow you? Um, you can just Google Aaron Jasper or you can go to... Um, www.flyfishingevolution.com and that's my guiding website. Thanks so much. Alright, now we're with Ellen. You want to introduce yourself? You are new CEO of Healing Waters? New CEO of Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing. And where did you come from before Healing Waters? Well, I've been in nonprofit for 15 years, but for the last 10 years in museum administration. So you've been a D.C. Metro person for a while? A D.C. Metro person for about four years, um, but a volunteer with Project Healing Waters for three years prior to becoming CEO. Did you fish before Healing Waters? Do you fish now? Most of my life, and I've fly fished for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You've seen, uh, North Carolina accent there? Alabama. Not even close. So what's there to fish for in Alabama? 
small mouth. Um, oh, 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 I got that wrong. Large mouth, brim, uh, bluegill. Um, but I spent 10 years on the Gulf Coast chasing redfish. Yep. Yep, not bad. All right, so where are your, what are your plans now for Healing Waters? Any new directions you're taking us, plans for outreach? Looks like you're out here schmoozing and getting everyone to know you. We are. We've, we've gotten good at schmoozing nationwide because we have 160 programs now, and we hope to have 300 in the next three years. Uh, by the end of 15, 2015, we'll probably be right around 240 programs, almost all connected to a VA medical center or a VA clinic. And you got to go down to the office in La Plata? Our offices are just outside of Washington, D.C., in, uh, in Waldorf, Maryland, actually. Yep. And uh, we, let's see, what else have we got going on? Um, we are very busy trying to establish a network of uh, tournaments across the U.S. that would support all of the regions and the programs that we have Sometimes we are, um, because we're based in, in Washington, D.C., we're thought of as an East Coast organization, and, and we, we want to spread the love all the way out to the West Coast. How's the two-fly planning going for this year at Rose River? Going really good. I was just standing here talking with these guys about it. Um, the two-fly being our, our biggest and, and um, most visible event. Uh, next year we'll probably bring in more than... 10%, almost 15% of our income, and we're, we're going to be, um, wow, more than a $2 million company next year. Mm-hmm. And listeners, if they want to donate to the Healing Waters and the Two Fly, where can they go? We'll get Dan Morgan on later to give all the social media, but where can people go to find out more about the Two Fly tournament? Yeah, sure, thanks. You can go to projecthealingwaters.org, and you can feel safe in knowing that 85% of your dollar goes directly to our wounded veterans. We have very, very little administrative costs. Fantastic. Well, it's nice to meet you here, and we'll see you the rest of the afternoon. Thanks. See you at the Two Fly. Yep. All right, we're now with the Smith Fly booth. We have Ethan Smith, and let's talk about your product and the new one that's getting some attention that has to do with the Yeti coolers. Yeah, so the new thing that we just launched in the fall there is the uh, cooler kilt, which uh, allows us to mount all of our pouches on the outside of a Yeti cooler or anything that you could put a, a screw in. So uh, the way it attaches there is is with some snaps, and it, they're all uh, made in the USA, YKK stainless steel snaps that the marine industry uses. And uh, anything you could put a screw into, uh, you can put our pouches on the outside of. So you can put them in the back of your truck, you can put them in the back of your SUV, um, you can put them on a Yeti cooler. And uh, so I use that on my, uh, my boat there and as my polling platform, so it keeps the gear real handy there. And uh, Where are you out of if you've got polling platforms? <laughs> well, I'm out of Ohio, but we do travel around a lot of it. So, Whereabouts in Ohio? Uh, north of Dayton. So I, I, don't, I have a rowing platform that we use uh, in, in the rivers, you know, when we're smallmouth fishing, trout fishing in Ohio. But then I take it down, you know, to saltwater. So if I was just walking by and yelled OH, would I get a... IO. Okay. My wife went. She went she's a Buckeye. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> yep. What year did you graduate? Uh, 2000. All right. Right after her. So what other products you got have here, and what is your inspiration? Is it that you just needed stuff to handle your needs that wasn't out there yet? Right, yeah. So I came up with it because I was just kind of tired of sorting through my gear all the time and um, taking my tackle, you know, fly boxes, tippet leaders, all that stuff from one 
like a boat bag and putting it in a waste pack or a vest or whatever. So I kind of got tired of sorting through it. So I, I came up with the idea to have just pouches filled with your stuff that you can move from one thing to the other. And the military kind of already had that figured out, you know, years ago. So uh, when I started looking around for people to sew the stuff for me, the military uh, sewing contractors, you know, it was a good fit. So um, that's who does all the work for me is uh, USA-based uh, sewing contractors that are generally sewing stuff for the government. Um, so, you know, it's all based around that kind of system where uh, you can keep your stuff in the pouches and move it from a waste bag uh, or waste, uh, waste belt to a, a bigger bag. You know, our switch bag is kind of our boat bag thing. Um, and, you know, it gives you the versatility to kind of fish in a bunch of different situations, which is what a lot of us do nowadays. Any uh, Anything else you want to talk about before we go into, like, where you can find you on social media? Sure. Uh, we have the new Art Attack uh, flap for our switch bag, which is uh, a partnership with, at this point, Lewis Cahill, but we've got some other artists and photographers coming on board here pretty soon. Um, and so that features the work of um, Lewis, uh, you know, on our switch bag, which is a, a, a flap that's digitally printed um, with his artwork on it. Um, you know, it gives some style and, you know, gives a little pop of color. It's a real nice uh, conversation piece and, and, you know, uh, you wear it around the city where not, not everybody's familiar with trout or steelhead or whatever and they say, hey, what's that? And she's like, well, it's, you know, it's a steelhead. And then they say, well, what's a steelhead? You know, and like a lot of places, you know, they don't know what a steelhead is. So you can you can talk about it a little bit and uh, gives that bag a little more style and kind of, you know, pop. So. Uh, what were you just handed there? Looks like you got some oh, little yeah. talking so points. Our cooler kilt, um, and it just you know shows the kit and and how we install it, and um, and these are you know that it comes with these snaps, and uh, you know it's it's the kit. So fantastic! Yeah. All right, where can we find you online? That's how I found you. Uh, Smithfly.net is our website. We do uh, free shipping on there and um, sell everything through there, the direct. But we're always looking for dealers and uh, you know small fly shops to bring us on uh, as a product line. Um, so, and Facebook, we're on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all that stuff. So, Smithfly is out there. And you guys going to any other shows in the series? Uh, Winston-Salem, yeah. Right. I'll see you guys down there. Denver, I wanted to go to that. We don't do holidays in Denver now. We do holidays in Ohio. Oh, really? Oh, that's fine. I caught nothing. I fished Alum Creek Spillway, and I fished the Chagrin and Rocky, and I saw some minnows. Yeah, that was a pretty rough time, too, because the water was pretty blown out. Like, it was that epic flood that we had. <laughs> right out, two days after that, so, yeah. And then it went up to 50 degrees and just got even more muddy. Oh, it was terrible, terrible. We were, I was in Charleston, actually, uh, red fishing, so. <laughs> Not a bad place to be. Yep. All right, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. So we, we got Rob again from Great Feathers. This is, like, the third annual so what's going on with Great Feathers? And uh, you've been doing a lot of uh, crazy fishing pictures on social media. So let's talk about what you've been up to. Well, Great Feathers has a new website. Uh, we're happy to launch that uh, about a few months ago. And it's, it's working out really well. It's set up for shopping, which is why we changed it up. Um, as far as what I've been up to, been doing some some cool fishing in some exotic locations. I've been in Belize twice in the last few months, um, mostly chasing permit and tarpon, a few bonefish. Um, really, really great. I was in uh, San Pedro and Ambergris Cay, uh, stayed at El Pescador the first time, and then stayed at a house the second time and fished with uh, Trace Pescado's fly shop. Is this with the wayward angler or is this with the fly shop? 
This was with my father. Very cool. My dad and I go to Costco. <laughs> we'll, my dad and I will go to Costco once in a while, but we like to go fishing more than that. Oh, yeah. Big thing for us. We go to Costco and get like a big thing of hummus or something. <laughs> big bunch of bulk stuff. Oh, yeah. That's good. But, um, but yeah, go down there with my dad. He's uh, handy with the camera. So uh, instead of bringing my friend from the Uncommon Angler. Uncommon Angler. Uncommon. Not Wayward. There is no Wayward Angler we know about. It's Uncommon Angler. Yeah, the Uncommon Angler. Um, UncommonAngler.com on um, Blogspot. Yeah, I mean, he's handy with the camera. And uh, got some really cool shots of me jumping some tarpon. And so that way I don't have to bring my friend up there and uh, pay, pay his way. Because he sure is, he can't afford it. Yeah. We're going to do some purchasing now, so take a little break here. Uh, so how's the, uh, so I just bought some ultra wire from you guys and uh, some ostrich plumes, but how are things on the gunpowder these days? Well, these days, it's pretty much frozen. <laughs> Water's about 36 degrees and it's almost frozen over, but uh, people are still actually catching fish. Um, you know, throwing big streamers. It's either big, you know, go big or go home pretty much. Big streamers every once in a while. Some stonefly, little tiny little stonefly nymphs, little midge pupa. Um, but we have seen some winter stoneflies flying around, so things are looking up. Uh, hopefully, the next month, month and a half, we'll have some really, you know, much more, much warmer weather, and we'll start seeing some more bugs. For all the DC listeners, how can they get up to your shop? The easiest way is to come right up 95 to 695, get off at I 83 North, and come up to Schwann Road in Hunt Valley and head north on York Road. We're about two and a half miles up across from a restaurant called the Milton Inn. Do you suggest people eat there after they're done fishing? If you like to spend a lot of money. 86, that idea. <laughs> a better place to eat after you go fishing is the Raging Bull Barbecue in Hereford, Maryland. That is the real deal. You ever go to the, we may have talked about this in the past, Stone Mill Bakery. Stone Mill's great. They got some great coffee, huge salads, huge salads. And the guy who owns it, Alfie, is a fly fisherman. Not to be confused with the Jersey salad, which they offer over here at the, which we talked about earlier. That's a dirty move. I think we, Dan Morgan may have put Jersey salad on Urban Dictionary. I'm not sure. (laughs) I've never had the Jersey salad, but it doesn't sound anywhere as good as this one from Stone Mill Bakery. The bread's awesome. You just can't get good bread where we live. It's all baked in-house, and everything they actually cook is sourced that morning from local farmer's markets. I'm getting hungry now. All right. I'm going to go find some nasty food to satisfy it. Well, Rob, thanks so much. What's your guys' website? Greatfeathers.com, and you can see all sorts of pictures from my adventures on theuncommonangler.com. Fantastic. All right, all right. Yeah, man. Good to see you. All right, next up, Dr. Aaron Adams of the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Uh, let's talk about tying flies for a bonefish tarpon permit, what you're doing at the show, where we can find you online, and just who you are and what it is you do. Sure. Uh, as you said, my name is Aaron Adams. Uh, I've got a, a PhD in fish ecology, um, but I'm also a pretty hardcore fly angler. Uh, let me try, backtrack on that. A very hardcore fly angler, um, which is nice for me to do the research on the fish. Uh, and then be able to apply that to fishing. But more importantly, my uh, research is focused on conservation. Um, and so as director of Bonefish Tarpon Trust, uh, I 
kind of oversee and guide research about bonefish, tarpon, and permit and their habitats so we can know enough about them that we can then actually put real information into management. You know, a lot of the management, whether it's habitat or fisheries management, is based on very incomplete data. And so our goal is to find enough information that we can actually have positive conservation impacts. So the research that we support, for example, we're figuring out where and how bonefish spawn in the Bahamas. And so now we're working with the Bahamas government uh, to get those areas protected. So there can't be ship channels or ship anchoring or mega resorts or those kinds of things. So we can basically preserve the fishery. Um, there's similar types of things in Florida and Cuba and Belize and all around the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico. Uh, making sure that our fisheries are around in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And then in places where the fisheries have declined, uh, trying to restore them so that there's fisheries once again. So that's kind of the gist of Bonefish Tarpon Trust. But the interesting thing is that you know, no other group, I wish there were other groups, but no other group in the world really does what we do for the flats. Um, you know, there's Trout Unlimited or, or Ducks Unlimited that advocate and do the research for those species. But for the flats, um, we're pretty much it. Uh, in addition, you know, since bonefish tarpon and permit are primarily catch and release, uh, there's never really been any scientific research done on them. You know, most fish science research is done on commercially important species. So we're working kind of at a deficit there. Uh, so getting that information into the system, and a lot of, a lot of times is the first time they've ever had information into their management system. So we work very closely with a lot of government agencies to get a lot of that stuff instituted. But we also work a lot on education with fishermen. Um, things like how to handle fish for, to make sure they survive after the release. And just because you let the fish go doesn't mean it's going to live. Uh, handling practices are very important. Keeping the fish in the water. If you do handle it, using wet hands. Um, not keeping it out of the water for more than a handful of seconds are all really important. For example, if you keep a bonefish out of the water for more than 15 seconds, and you're taking pictures and all that type of stuff, its chances of dying uh, increase by six times. So it's pretty pretty major difference. Um, so we do a lot of that type of education. Um, we have an annual magazine called the Bonefish Tarpon Journal that comes out that we describe a lot of our research, but we also have columns in there by me and by uh, guides about what fish eat and how to fish for them, that type of thing. So pretty much run the, run the full gamut on that. Um, and we're up here at the, the Somerset, New Jersey fly fishing show to um, introduce ourselves to more people. Uh, this is the largest retail fly fishing show uh, east of the Mississippi. And a lot of these guys are hardcore fly anglers. And a lot of them uh, love to travel out of the northeast to Bahamas and the Keys and elsewhere to fish. And so we want them to become members and, and support what we're doing. Um, as I said, no one else is doing this. But even more basic, the fishermen are the primary users of these fisheries, bonefish tarpon permit, primary users of the habitats. So we as fishermen have to become the ones who are actually supporting the conservation because no state agency is going to do it, no federal agency, no foreign government is going to step up and protect these fisheries unless we do it. Um, and there's a, a, a lot of clouds on the horizon um, in a lot of places as far as habitat loss and damage to some of our favorite places. Um, so we're kind of at that 
crossroads, so to speak, to get this knowledge out there so we can start pushing for conservation of our fisheries so that they're around. So it's uh, for all of us, whether we work for Bonefish Tarpon Trust or members or board members, it's all a, a passion about the fishery. With all this work, are you guys working off of donations, grants, endowments? How How's it all funded? I know if you're tagging fish, those tags are not inexpensive. Um, we work off primarily off of individual donations and memberships. Uh, you know, every dollar counts. So we have different levels of membership. Uh, we also have individuals who contribute significant amounts of money. Uh, we get some foundation funds as well, and we have some corporate sponsors. Uh, Costa, Orvis, Patagonia, for example, are big big sponsors for us, uh, and a number of other companies that are, are here at the show as well. TFO Rods um, is another one that comes to mind. Uh, and a lot of lodges uh, support us as well. Um, so it's the people who understand the future of the fishery depends on having a... And the future of their business, is, quite frankly, depends upon healthy fisheries. So it's anglers, donors, uh, people in the fishing industry sponsoring us is what helps. And, yeah, we do different types of tagging of fish. We do a lot of tagging to figure out what habitats fish use and their migration patterns uh, so we can then know which places we need to protect and conserve. Uh, for, for bonefish tags, it looks like pieces of spaghetti sticking in the fish. Those are about a buck a piece, so they're not bad. But then when we use uh, what are called acoustic tags or similar to radio tags, that gets up to about 400 bucks a piece. And then if we go satellite tags, which we do for tarpon and permit, that's between four and $6,000 a piece. But when you consider that the fishery, the economic impact of the fishery is in the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, that's not much money. Uh, for example, the economic impact of the flats fishery in the Florida Keys is more than $465 million a year. In the Bahamas, the bonefish fishery is worth more than $140 million a year. So when you think of it that way, a $6,000 tag is not so bad. But it's trying to get people to understand the investment that we're making in the future. That's our big challenge. So we're here to try and get people to sign up. Um, or even you know, via your podcast, they can reach us at our website, which is btt.org or bonefishtarpentrust.org. Either works. They can learn about a lot about us there, and they can sign up to become members. And the other cool thing is that a lot of our sponsors help out by donating lodge trips. So, for example, if people join at our $50 membership level or higher between now and November, um, they will qualify for a raffle for a trip uh, to El Pescador Lodge in Belize to fish with uh, Bill Klein, who's actually in our TV show, Buccaneers and Bones. Um, so we try and give incentives as much as we can. If people join, they get, depending on what level, they get ball caps or fishing rods, those types of things. It's kind of thank yous to, for helping us out. And let's talk about some more of the conservation. A big item was passed for the Boca Grande jig. Can you tell people what that is and how it was unethical by a lot of views and, and banned now? Um, well, it's kind of part of a bigger picture uh, pursuit that we've been uh, going after for quite some time. And it, it started with uh, last year tarpon and bonefish being made catch and release only in Florida, which is a big step. Uh, you know, some people, not a lot, but some people were still harvesting tarpon and bonefish. Um, you know, and given the economic value of the fishery, it didn't really make sense for that to happen. 
Um, so to have them catch and release helps to elevate them in the conservation realm and get more attention from the management agencies. So once that was done, also ongoing was a, a bit of a battle within the fishing community uh, about the use of what was termed a Boca Grand jig, uh, which is, was basically originally invented up in uh, Louisiana uh, to mostly troll with for tarpon. Uh, it's a heavy lead jig uh, with a basically a Mr. Twister-type tail. Uh, but they modif- it was modified in Boca Grande to be fished vertically. And the problem that we found with that was a couple things. Uh, one, our tagging research showed that uh, the tarpon that you find in Boca Grande Pass uh, come back there, the same fish will come back every year. It's not like you have new fish all the time. Um, so any fishing impacts that you have will affect that portion of the population. But also, the tarpon gather in Boca Grande Pass uh, as part of their spawning uh, behavior. Uh, they, they gather in the pass in huge schools, tens of thousands of fish sometimes in a day in the pass. And then late in the day, during certain tide and moon phases, they'll migrate offshore. And we think they spawn up to, say, 100 miles or so offshore. Uh, and then some of them come back to the pass, and they'll go out and spawn again. So the pass is a very important gathering place. The Boca Grande jig was fished vertically uh, in a fashion such that when the fish are sitting in the pass, if, if people fish traditionally where they would drift through the pass, down current, uh, if the tarpon didn't want to eat the bait or the lure, they would just move aside and it would pass through. With the Boca Grande jig, they would use fish finders to get over a school of fish, lower the jig into or below the school, and then stay there so that the fish didn't have any ability to refuse. Uh, In addition, uh, a lot of people would fish it by dropping the jig below the school and then reeling up so the jig came up through the school. And the way it was rigged where the lead was not at the hook eye but at the hook bend basically made it uh, akin to a snagging device. And research uh, by colleagues showed that a lot of the fish using that jig were snagged rather than hooked fairly. And uh, ter- research on tarpon and other fish has shown that snagged fish have a lower survival rate than what we would call fairly hooked fish. So in our view, the, the way the jig was fished uh, was damaging to the fishery because it wouldn't allow any rest for the tarpon. Even if they didn't want to eat, they kept having those jigs in the school of fish. And over the past 10 years that that's been heavily used, uh, we think we've seen changes in the behavior of tarpon in that area, and our concern is that that could affect their spawning uh, patterns. Um, And so again, as a conservation group focused on the long-term health of the fishery, so that as hardcore anglers, we can fish for them in 10, 20, 30 years, uh, we're always going to take the precautionary approach. And so we joined other groups that were pushing against the Spoka Grand Jig and worked with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission um, to get that type of jig banned so that the lead cannot be below the hook point. Yeah, so it's got to, the lead has to be up at the hook eye, so that even if you raise, reel it up vertically, you're not going to be nearly as likely to snag the fish as something that's oriented, you know, so that the hook point is up. Um, so again, we're always going to take that conservative approach for the long-term health of the fishery. And coupled with making them entirely catch and release uh, and improving angler ethics, I think, you know, things are moving in the right direction. Fantastic. 
Well, I could keep going on and on asking questions, but uh, looks like you need to get back to tying some flies here. What are you tying? Um, uh, got some bonefish patterns here, uh, some tarpon. I'm starting to tie, believe it or not, a couple snook flies because you'll find them mixed in as well. Um, and, you know, we've done and colleagues have done some work on a bonefish diet, for example. Um, blue crabs or swimming crabs are pretty high on the list. Mud crabs are up there. Of course, some shrimp. But also things like toadfish, um, oharas, some snapping shrimp, uh, some things that people generally don't think about. Um, and what the reason from a scientific perspective that we do the diet studies is so we can keep track of the health of the fishery. You know, bonefish are have a pretty varied diet, and so their diet's going to reflect the health of the habitat. So if we can see what they're eating um, and over time check the diet on and off, well, if the diet starts to change, then we, then we know something's going on with the habitat. But then we also take that information and translate it into terms that fishermen can use so that they can have a better idea of what flies to use in the right situations, you know, whether it's a sand fat, flat or seagrass flat. Um, and so I'm tying some flies that uh, match mantis shrimp, for example, uh, crabs, toadfish pattern. Um, and then for the tarpon, um, we're learning a lot about their vision. So, for example, they tarpon can see uh, ultraviolet light, and they can see purples very well. Um, and so people are starting to change the types of flies and colors that they use you know, as we learn more. So it's, it's both helping anglers, but then also, in return, asking for anglers to help the fishery. I'm sure the fly tying companies probably enjoy that, too. Start producing more and selling more gear towards specific stuff that tarpon can actually see. Right. You know, and, the, and if you compare, say, saltwater fly fishing to fishing for trout, uh, the trout fishermen are much more sophisticated about how they approach what flies they use for trout. They try and match the hatch. Um, they'll look, overturn rocks to see what kind of nymphs are there, all that type of stuff. Fly fishermen are much more prone to grab something that looks cool or sexy and throw that in salt water. But as we learn more and more about the fish, um, fly tires are tying more and more things that actually imitate what the fish are eating. Uh, and then also trying to not match the hatch but to match the fly or the prey you're imitating with the fly to the habitat. Uh, so, for example, worm flies for bonefish on muddy flats is good, whereas uh, in the mangroves, crab flies are very good, those types of things. So it's very much a trade-off. Fantastic. Well, I could, with my background in biology and fishing as a geek, I could totally talk to you all day, but uh, I'll let you get back to work. Thanks so much. Once again, where can we find you guys online? Uh, btt.org or bonefishtarpentrust.org. They'll both get you to the same place. Learn more about us. Sign up. It's easy to sign up online. Uh, get some incentives. One more thing I should say is in November of this year, we have our two-day symposium at the IGFA Hall of Fame Museum in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and we have that every three years. And it's basically the best place to learn as much as you can about bonefish tarpon and permit from the scientist's perspective. We also have... Uh, uh, panel discussions from some of the top guides in the business. Uh, have a, we'll have a fly fishing film tour and a, and a banquet as well. Uh, so if people are looking for something to do in, in November uh, and learn a lot about what they like, like they fish for, this is a place to do it. 
This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, so we have Dustin here with West Branch Angler, and it's, it's beer 30 for you. What are you enjoying? Uh, this is my first time going to a fly fishing show, so it's pretty cool. Uh, I've been in the business a little while now, and uh, it's just cool to come to the show and see what everybody talks about all the time. You guys got a pretty prime spot here when people walk in. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the owner of the resort and creator uh, actually created the whole setup here, all the woodwork and everything. Uh, nice booth. Some beer poles. I mean, this looks like a bar. <laughs> it turns into one <laughs> come closing time. <laughs> so where are you guys located and what do you do? Um, we're uh, in Hancock, New York, um, along the Catskill Mountains, uh, right along the banks of the west branch of the Delaware River. Uh, got pretty much the nicest accommodations in the area up there. We cater to the fly fishing mostly, but, uh, you know, we got really nice log cabins, um, you know, kind of a nice spot for the whole family to kind of spend a nice relaxing weekend. Tailwater? Tailwater. Um, you know, the there's two branches that form, uh, come together uh, to meet the, to make the main de- stem of the Delaware River. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty special place. These accommodations look pretty nice, too. You got a little photo album. So it's definitely like lodge-style living. Yeah, I'm, a good variety, uh, different size cabins, um, you know, so a little variety of the accommodations, and uh, they're really nice. Most of them are prime location right along the riverbanks, and it's a nice setting. I imagine the food's pretty good, too. I've gone up that way a couple times and in the fall, and it's just awesome. Yep, that's another thing we have that nobody else really does is uh, there's a nice restaurant there with a nice pub downstairs, um, killer fly shop. And uh, really good access to private property along our resort. Rainbows, browns, anything else? Uh, predominantly rainbows and browns. Every once in a while, every year, it seems like somebody catches a brookie here and there. But they're pretty uncommon. Uh, most people never really see one, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, big browns and rainbows. Wild. Where can we find you guys online? Any social media sites? Uh, West Branch Resort dot com west, west branch angler and resort fantastic well thanks so much <laughs> so we're with the guys from the south holston river lodge right now and we've got john and tony so who wants to go first we'll go with you so tell us about who you are where you are what you do 
Uh, we're a tailwater fishery. We're a 14-mile tailwater stretch in northeast Tennessee. Uh, we're a 14-mile stretch. Uh, we host between five and 6,000 fish per mile. Uh, we're, we're especially known for our uh, all-inclusive packages where our guests come in. It's a one-stop shop. Um, we, they bring themselves. They bring uh, clothing for the appropriate conditions, and we take it from there. Uh, your lodging, your accommodations, uh, your, your meals, your complimentary beer and wine, and uh, your guided fishing is all included in one price. Uh, but what's special about our tailwater water is we, we fish year-round, and we also have an epic sulfur hatch. It's uh, it's about a four- or five-hour hatch starting in June. You can set your watch to it, and it's really an unbelievable fishery. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, i fished all over, and I can't really say that I've seen hatches and bugs come off like they do on our tailwater. Uh, literally, mats of bugs come down the river during the summer months. So when all the other fisheries slow down due to water temperatures and water fluctuation, uh, we're still running strong. So come fish with us at the South Holston River Lodge. What's the constant temp you guys are running in the summer? We're anywhere between 38 and 50. Mm-hmm. What's the flow? Is it pretty constant, too? In high water, you're looking at about 2,000 CFS. In the low water, you're looking at 200 CFS. Mm-hmm. I've read that they'll move back and forth once it drops and they get comedy pretty easily yeah it totally totally um we offer uh we offer wade fishing if somebody wants to be on foot obviously if they're running water you really can't do the wading but we can put you in a drift boat and give you an excellent western style fishing situation right here east of the mississippi what are you guys floating uh, i float in a hide mm-hmm. don't let drunk drivers hit your drift boat i've learned that yeah that's right that's right all right tony what do you got for us you got some stripers too yeah, yeah, we do. We, we host some striped bass fishing down in the bottom two miles of our river, down into Boone Lake. Um, it can be real productive uh, in the summer months, April through October is when we're chasing stripers. We also run a little bit of a smallmouth fishery down there on the main stem of the Holston. Um, we get at that, you know, if, if conditions aren't right for the trout fishing and you want to take a stab at some smallmouth, we do offer that as well. Mm-hmm. Where can we find you guys online? Any social media? www.southholstonriverlodge.com also on Facebook and Twitter, South Holston River Lodge. Fantastic. I'll go follow you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. All right. So let's check in with the guys at Vitavu since we saw you at Vegas. It's about 50 to 80 degrees colder than last time. That it is. Yeah. So what's new? Well, we've been living hard and living busy and uh, trying to keep everybody going on the website orders that have been coming in. The company's been growing really fast, and it's been a lot of fun. Certainly a a big change from the days when I was sitting in my garage in below zero weather, like teaching myself to sew three years ago to now. I mean, it's so much more fun to be able to see, I guess, the fruits of those labors starting to come to pass. But this year we uh, we hired some more gals to help sew, so we've got an expanded workshop crew that's allowing me to be a little more flexible. We're doing a lot more design work, excited about what's to come on that. And obviously, we're being able to, to build great packs for more customers, which is always a plus, you know. So it's been a lot of fun. And while I was waiting here, something interesting happened. There's a, a left-handed gentleman, and he wanted a left-handed sling pack. So how is that going to happen? Yeah, so every pack that we build is literally custom-built to order. So we have the ability to work with our customers. Like this gentleman here is about 6'5", too. So to do a left-handed sling with a few extra inches so that he's got the room he needs is, is very easy for us to do because we're not going to a crate from China and pulling something out and sending it out stock. We're literally hand-building every pack for, for the individual that buys it. So in this case, it's just a matter of laying the pattern backwards when we trace out the fabric and cut it before we build it out, and then the rest is just pretty much gravy as we go through. Any new product? 
Yeah, so we've been adding a lot, trying to build on the modularity. We, we just launched a uh, deluxe version of our existing gear pouch. So for everybody who's already got our sling pack or a day pack, that works out great where they can swap in the deluxe pouch. Gives them a few more places to tuck stuff in and gives them some more additional pockets on the outside of the pouch, which has been solid. And then we took that a step further. We had a lot of people asking for, where do I stick on an extra spool of tippet? Or I want to take a guide spool of tippet? Or where do I stick a, a couple flies, you know, once I popped them off my line? I don't want to let them dry out before I put them back in my box. So we started coming up with these little arc accessories. And as you see, I mean, it's basically a Velcro wrap on a, on a strip that basically goes over a waiting belt or through one of these little loops on our packs. Anywhere you see this, this Vitavu woven label strip, right behind it's usually these big, these big loops where these arc accessories can just slip through, connect on, and go. And that deluxe pouch I mentioned, it, it's built with that same system. So our deluxe pouch, our utility belt, our hip pack, a lot of these packs are built with that same system so that you can just connect on these arcs and run. Are the reflectors new? <laughs> nope. I just not noticed that in the past. <laughs> nope. The, uh, the heat transfers we use to be able to put our logo on stuff has got a little bit of a pop, so it just kind of stands out a little bit. Um, they're not super vibrant, but they, they're definitely there. It kind of gives us a nice little look. I mean, um, some of the others out there are using some reflective branding, and uh, I don't know if they got it from us or if we got it from them or what, but uh, certainly it's been fun. Are these chairs, these orange things? <laughs> yeah, those are just, you know, we, moving your booth in and out. You know, for shows like this, there's limited space to travel with. And as I fly to these shows, I, you know, I'm literally checking all this one bag with all my booth in it. So these chairs I have are from a friend's company, and he, uh, he puts them together, and they're a nice little compact chair that I can throw in the booth and have a place to sit down after things get a little bit settled. We had some issues with the booth at Vegas. It looks like you guys have avoided the fire code violations yeah you heard about that so yeah the, the vegas was kind of a trick i mean we came in we we built our booth out of pallets which is what we'd been known for i mean when we were first out and little bitty in the company we had nothing else to lay our stuff on couldn't afford even a table to, you know to set our stuff on so um one of the guys from yeti coolers rick Whitmecker, went out and grabbed two shipping pallets off the dock and brought them in and we laid out all our product on that so people kind of got to know hey you're the pallet guy so the next year, we built it up a little bit bigger. Last year, we did it a little bit bigger and built our whole booth out of pallets. And then got down an hour before the, the, the build-out day ended, and the fire code came in, or fire marshal came in, and made us tear our booth down and get it all fire-retardant chemical sprayed, and then rebuild it so that we could be back the next morning in time to, to, to do our demonstrations and show stuff off. And certainly, it's not fun, but, you know, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, just kind of roll with the punches and keep things moving. Any other shows you guys are doing this year? Yeah, we're actually doing all of the shows. We, you know, This year was a big step forward. With the extra help I've got now, I can actually get on the road more. So we're doing all of the core fly fishing shows. We're doing the Midwestern Fly Fishing Expo, and then we're doing a few local shows as well. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. So the other, you'll do uh, Lancaster? Yep. So we're going to do uh, the next one after this. I've got North Carolina down in Winston-Salem. I go from there up to Linwood outside of Seattle go straight from there to san francisco for a show out there in between i'm going to do some uh, traveling out in wyoming and do some demos out there and then uh from there i come back for like a week and then it's back to dc and do a, a, a tu banquet that we're supporting through veteran services we're going fishing yeah we definitely should man look it up and then uh after that straight on to lancaster and then up to maine and so we're going all over the place but it's all in a way to be able to put our stuff in front of folks let them actually feel it and see it see how we can puncture our fabric and how it reheals itself and be able to like feel the difference between our sling and other slings on the market and make a big difference that route so we'll see you down in orlando oh absolutely yeah we'll be back we're actually uh, on the casting pond this year for better or worse so we'll be right in between hardy and scott rods so it's kind of a nice place to be hopefully traffic's going to be busy but i better make sure i have some help for that one huh you have to deal with crosby <laughs> fair enough fair enough. and um that little that's a little bag for like your tying materials right 
Yeah, this year we got into tying accessories too, just like ways for guys who are traveling. They're going out on the road, you know, they staying at their uh, their buddy's house, or otherwise they don't want the buddy's wife getting all upset. So we have this little pop up trash basin that packs down real small, folds up real easy, and tucks in your kit bag, and then it's there to catch all your trimmings. And we got a wallet for tools for tires. We got a wallet for uh, guys that are carrying four loaded bobbins. They want to have that all pre ready and go. It's all packed up and just make it easier for you to travel with and give you the accessories you need. I'll have to pick one of those up and we're in uh, the next show. Yeah, absolutely. I'll use it on my table. Nice. I'd be happy to do that for sure. All right. Well, we'll see you the rest of the show and next time in North Carolina. Sounds good. And thanks again for listening, guys. Have a great day. Running Audacity. So the one person who guessed that already is Evan from the Open Fly podcast and from Alan. Hi. So what do you want to talk about first? Uh, you didn't give me time to prepare. <laughs> you want to come back? Let's talk about me. All right. So uh, you got a new podcast. I, I do. And you yeah. guys are recording in Washington? Yes, in Duval, Washington. And there's fish, like, literally in your backyard, it sounds like. Uh, sort of. There's a river back there. Whether or not there's fish in there is debatable. <laughs> what would be there on a good day? On a good day? Uh, half a steelhead. <laughs> it's pretty bad. You know, you go down the street, uh, you got the Snoqualmie, you can go 10 miles down the highway and you got the Skycomish, and there's there's a lot of steelhead salmon, sea run cutthroat, bull trout, all that. The Snoqualmie just doesn't have very good spawning habitat, so the Skycomish is, uh, is the one to fish. Yeah. And you just finished your second episode? Third, actually. Yeah, the third one just posted yesterday. It, we tried to listen to the car, but it was too windy today, driving up, so... Plus, my windshield wiper broke off on the drive, so things were not pleasant. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I don't feel that the open fly is responsible for that, so you're going to have to take your complaints elsewhere. So what's new with Allen this year? What, what new models we have, new reels? I see some new colors out there. Uh, all of the above. We got our new XLA series uh, Kraken reels, which are a super large arbor. They're kind of cartoonishly huge looking, but once you use one, it's really hard to go back to using a smaller arbor. Uh, we, I think the biggest one is like five and a half inch wide arbor. I mean, it's just it's just stupid huge. So uh, going to something like that uh, is a lot of fun, especially on the uh, on saltwater. Then we got our Kraken series, which is our, probably our most popular, our Alpha threes, Trout twos, and ATS reels. So we got a, a quite a large assortment of things and stuff. And the rods, you're not throwing. Um, there's no 14 foot five weight. No. Not not this time. <laughs> what, what new models do you guys have out? Uh, well, the Icon is uh, this first time the Icon's been to this show. Um, the Icon and the XA2 are both all made in the USA. Uh, both are really fantastic rods. The Icon is our super sensitive, lightweight, uh, kind of finesse rod. The XA2 is your workhorse, utilitarian rod. Uh, both are really good at what they do. So a lot of popularity now with two-handed rods. Is that helping sort of expand what you guys are making rods for as the growing market? Well, the two-handed thing is something we got into, and it's my passion because living in Washington, that's just how we fish. Uh, it's a much more difficult uh, market to get into than it seems like it would be. So we're sticking to we're going to stick to single-handers because we're really good at it and we're able to sell that. Um, Two-handed rods are still my 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 passion, but we're probably going to stay out of that market for a while. Our reels have been very popular with two-handed rod guys. You know, you got two classes of guys with the two-handed rods. You got guys that really want the modern type stuff, and those are guys that go with us. 
And then you got guys that really want like the more classic style loud reels, which we're not doing. It's not really what we're good at, so we're letting other guys do that. So a lot of two-handed customers today picking up, especially our new XLA reels. They're, they're liking those, those really wide arbors to pick up line faster and uh, lower their line memory. And you're doing hooks, beads, and other tying materials as well? Yeah, hooks is one of our biggest products. Uh, fly tying hooks and beads is really probably almost half our business these days. We just we, we become a, a huge supplier of hooks to the industry. And in the last year or so, we've made a lot of improvements on our finishing and, and forging and, and sharpness on the hooks. And I think if customers have tried us in years past, I'd really encourage them to try the hooks again because they've, we've changed a lot in the last year, and it'll be very noticeable very right off the bat. And I've had some clients that are retired in the military, and they've bought some rods and reels from you, and they've gotten discounts. So how does that work? If anybody is retired military, current military, any of the above, or just involved in the uh, U.S. military at all, they can email me at evan at allenflyfishing.com, and we'll hook you up with a pretty generous discount on just about all our products. And Facebook, you guys post a lot of good deals on there where you sign up for newsletters? Absolutely. You can sign up for our newsletter and receive 20% off your first order as a deal we're running right now. Yeah, I think just follow us on Facebook and Instagram. There's We, we do different deals here and there just to kind of keep people on their toes. <laughs> you know, And, you know, we're, we're a direct-to-consumer uh, company, so we're able to be nimble like that and offer better discounts than a lot of other guys do because we don't have that middleman to, to, you know, add more markup. So it's, it's really easy for us to just do special deals like that once in a while. Anything you guys are working on in the future that you're allowed to talk about uh yeah our omega reel you can see well actually you can't see it there's usually one sitting out here on our on our stand but uh it's all all usa made in detroit fully machined uh reel use the same drag system as our xla uh really strong drag system really excellent reel it's not as large of an arbor as our xla but it's using the same drag system kind of a mid mid to large arbor it's gonna it's gonna turn some heads pretty soon. It's it's, it's competing with a lot of the, the other big seven eight hundred dollar USA made reels that are out there that are running the modern style drag. All right, and let's talk some more about your podcast. Where can we find that? It's now on iTunes. iTunes uh, on our website, theopenflypodcast.com. dot uh, com. Yeah, follow us on Facebook. We'll post up every time that we have a, a new episode. It's, it's fun. It's kind of an open radio show format, you know, like a, your morning radio talk show is kind of the, the take that we're taking. We're not very instructional, so we're not really getting in the way of the fly fishing consultant or any of those. You know, we're, we're not going to teach you a whole lot, but we might tell you some funny stories. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, definitely listen. It's entertaining. And like one guy wrote in recently that he listened to it when he's tying flies, which is it's a good way to do it because they're like an hour and 39 minutes. It's, it's really good to sit down and listen to. It's good background noise, you know. It's, it, you know, with an episode that long, you know, the material is going to go in and out of being interesting to different people, but there's enough there. You know, there's a lot of humor. We don't really take ourselves seriously, which you're going to find out real quick. I mean, the show is run by three, you know, really good experience, experienced anglers, but we don't take the we don't take the stance of teachers on the show. We're students, but at the same time, we're there to just interview guides, get funny stories, and kind of give back to our sport through the, the conservation segments and trying to raise money for various conservation causes and presenting those in an entertaining fashion because I just don't think that there's enough out there to bring attention to some of these these things. It's, it's, it's too important to, to not use our platform to talk about these things. So we really encourage people to check those out. You'll, you'll be entertained. It'll be interesting. Don't, don't think you're going to be bored, because, even though we just started. And there's craft beer. Oh, yeah. 
I'm a brewer, so my my garage is a brewery, and I've got a big I got a big tap system, and it's it's flowing pretty well there in the show. <laughs> that is way cool. All right, well, thanks so much, Evan, for joining us again. Thank you. All right, let's catch up with Blaine and talk about how the game changers changed the game since July. It's doing well. Yeah, a lot of people are tying them, getting a lot of emails and phone calls every week about different fish people have called on them, so I'm real happy. Uh, Umpqua tells me they'll be out in April. Imitation right now, I see a lot of them on Instagram and Twitter. Best form of flattery, people are just tying them up. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of it's really cool seeing all the different variations that can come from something you created, and you know I'm all for it, and I'm I'm happy that people are enjoying the different styles that you can create with those. So that's all Pat Cohen's tying this weekend. Yeah, I know that's that's pretty cool. I mean, Mr. Deer Hair. So yeah, I'm 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 happy for him. I'm trying to get some brushes made so you can tie musky size. So we'll see what happens with that soon. Speaking of musky, you've been doing pretty good recently. Yeah, yeah, we just got another 50 in the boat the other day. Yep. Uh, Rick Custich, who uh, is doing a book on fly fishing for musky, just got a 50 uh, three days ago. So that's pretty good. We're pretty happy about that. So when we had a really good week back in December, we got 33 and seven trips. So doesn't get any better than that. I've been real blessed this year for sure. And you're at the TFO booth. Are you working on some rods to throw your game changers? Yeah, actually, I got a new musky rod we're working on. Um, Look at that nice grip on there too. Yep, it's got uh, it's basically two grips in one. You got a um, a casting grip, and then above that you have a uh, figure eight style grip where it's going to make it a little more comfortable when you're doing a lot of work around the boat. Then you have an extended butt, kind of like a two handed switch rod that also helps when you're doing the figure eights around the boat. So. Uh, we we caught that big 50 on that prototype the other day, and it looks like we might have it out in a couple months. So super happy. It's it's designed off of a mangrove blank, which uh, I'm a big fan of. So uh, hopefully everybody's going to enjoy it. We're going to get your picture up here with the old guys, or you're going to make them look too old. I tell you what, man. I it's it's amazing to be a part of this company. You know, having fly fishing royalty like this, and I don't know what to say to be honest with you. It's pretty cool. It'd be like you know watching your childhood sports heroes and then getting drafted and playing on their like with Michael Jordan. Oh, exactly. I mean, when I was in high school, we didn't have cable because we lived in the mountains, and my grandmother had cable. And on Friday nights, if I wasn't going out with friends or have a date or something, I would go stay with my grandmother so I can get up on Saturday mornings and watch Flip Palace show. And and you know, occasionally Lefty would be on there, and you know, it's kind of really cool to be associated with these heroes, as you say, growing up. So. I'm happy about it. So what's next? After the rod, anything else you're working on? New, new fly patterns? The cicadas are done with for the, the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm, I've got other variations of the uh, Game Changer. Uh, I've got uh, cica- uh, a Sculpin style. Um, and I was talking to Popovic uh, earlier today about, you know, trying to do more of a natural style Game Changer using bucktail and stuff like that. And you know, I've been messing with a musky style um, using bucktail and kind of integrating Popovic's hollow style into the game changer style. So we may even have like seven or eight articulations in it and having short feathers for the tail. And um, I've had a couple muskies eat that so far. So that looks like we're in the right direction. Still have, needs a lot of work. Want to make it look a little more realistic and stuff like that. But it's, that's all the whole thing to do with uh, innovating stuff. You got 
sometimes you go back to the drawing board, but occasionally, you know, you get one right, you know. So hopefully we're on the right track. I'm going to send a couple samples to Popovics and see if he can maybe give me some ideas about stuff. So that's kind of, you know, he's a big, uh, he's somebody that's really helped me over the years and been an inspiration for my tie-in. So, you know, anytime I can get any help from, from these guys, I'm all for it. So anyway. When you're not with TFO, where can we find you online? Online at uh, newanglefishingcompany.com. And uh, uh, you can email me at bchocolate at uh, comcast.net. And it's not like Hershey's? Nope, not at Hershey. No, no, not from Hershey. No, the, the chocolate. Spell your name just in case. C-H-O-C-K-L-E-T-T. Right. It's not as bad as Snow White, so <laughs> you got it. You probably got made fun of less growing up. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse, you know. I, I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you get back to what you're doing because we got shows over for the day. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv